Welcome to Doing the Most, the series where we talk about the misadventures of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, execution strategist and serial entrepreneur. This series is here to get real about what entrepreneurial life truly looks like. We are driven, persistent, hardworking, ambitious. We are human, and these are our stories. Welcome back to Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, and today we have Cheryl Wood. She's going to be sharing her story, her entrepreneurial adventures and misadventures, and how Cheryl empowers. So Cheryl, can you give us a little bit of a background of who you are and kind of how you got here? Yeah, so I always like to say there's, you know, the personal side, there's a professional side. So the personal side, I am a wife. My husband and I have been uh, together for 20 years. We have three beautiful children together. So I have one tween and two teenagers now, a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 16-year-old. So my life is crazy busy, but I like it that way. It keeps me on my, my toes and my P's and Q's. And then I run a global speaking and coaching business. Um, and kind of how I got started in that was, I actually worked in corporate America for 15 years as a legal secretary, if you can believe that. Sometimes I can't believe it because everything about my personality is like, how do you sit behind a desk and shuffle papers when everything about you says you should be running your mouth and getting paid for it somewhere? But I think we do what we know how to do until we're bold enough to interrupt our norm and do something new. So for 15 years, I stayed in that space of being a legal secretary, make good money. Um, Because I came from a background of poverty, it almost was like, I should feel blessed that I'm in that space. Like, oh, you're, you're here, you're making great money. Why rock the boat? Um, but there was something inside that I, I knew there was more. And then once I became a mother, I was like, okay, I really want to be present for my kids, which for me means I need some freedom. I need time freedom. I need financial freedom so that I can be accessible to them. I can go to, you know, when they have the principal, you know, muffins with the principal, I can go or a field trip. And I didn't have that freedom working for someone else. So that was kind of like my, the urge that I had, the urgency and the craving for freedom is what started my entrepreneurial journey. So in 2009, um, after working 15 years in corporate America, I just decided I wanted to do something different. I said, let me get my foot wet as an entrepreneur. I started this little t-shirt business. It was called Moms Are the Best because we are. Um, And everything, all of my t-shirts were slogans that celebrated women and motherhood. And so I I didn't even realize I was on a path of empowerment before I ever called myself Cheryl Wood Empowers. I didn't even realize it, but that's the beauty about getting started. So I got started. I kept my full-time job. I didn't give that up um, because I still had bills to pay. (laughs) And I would go out on the weekends and sell these t-shirts. And sometimes it would be a flop. And sometimes I would sell a couple t-shirts and I just kept doing it. I just kept doing it because I already knew how to work a job. I already knew how to punch a time clock. I was successful at that. Now it was like, okay, can you place all bets on you? What does this look like? So I would, I would go to these events, go to these vending events, go to festivals, go to fairs, try to sell t-shirts. And in hindsight, I realized I was in the process of creating success and going through the journey of what it looked like and what it needed to look like. I learned how to hear the word no and not be crushed. You know, I learned how to network and talk to other people. I learned how to stand up and create an elevator pitch, which I didn't even know what that was when I first started. So all of that was happening behind the scenes, even when it seemed like I wasn't succeeding. 
And literally 18 months into that journey of still working my full-time job, being a wife, being a mom, doing the business on the side, I got a phone call that really just shifted the trajectory of my life. And that phone call was from someone at Morgan State University. Ironically, they had heard about the t-shirt business and asked me if I would come in to their annual women's conference and if I would speak and, and teach other moms how to start their own businesses. And my first response was, you have dialed the wrong number. You are not looking for me because I wasn't a speaker. I had no experience as a speaker. I didn't feel qualified as a speaker. Why would you want me to come and speak? Um, but that's when I gave myself permission to really just take a deep dive and do something that was uncomfortable and unfamiliar. And I said, yes. And it was on September 18th, 2010. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I went to that event, that conference. I got to the front of the room. My palms were sweating. My heart was racing. I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God, am I going to fumble my words? You know, are they going to think I'm good enough to be on the stage? Whatever, all this crap that we tell ourselves. And I just was like, Cheryl, just be you. And I had prepared, you know, I had my little PowerPoint, whatever. I was brand new. And I did that presentation. And on that day was the day I knew I was born to speak. Like that was what I was created for. That was going to be my legacy. That's how I was going to impact the world and impact other people's lives. And as I like to say, the rest is history, because from that moment forward, it was just like, okay, we're going to do this. And of course, the journey began. Love, love, love everything of that. Like, and, and, you know, I like the fact that you say you gave yourself permission to just kind of go after it. But even, even though at first, like you, you did it scared, essentially, because you're saying like, you know, you got the wrong number. This is the wrong person. I don't know what you're talking about. I never did any of these things, but yes, I'll be there. Right. Like that doesn't make sense, but that's like, that's the thing about it. Right. A lot of it is not going to make sense. You just have to kind of say, mm, I trust myself or if it goes haywire, at least the journey was fun. Like, even if it doesn't, you know, amass to some big financial success or some big, um, rocket ship blasting off at least I know I did this thing and and I didn't keep myself back right there's enough forces and people and things out there that's gonna keep myself back keep me back so why would I add on to that list like I need to be the thing that like gives me permission to be great to do great things to accelerate to excel and and honoring that right honoring that idea is really essential to all of it yeah so um, now, now I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, when, when that, when that happened in that moment, when you decided to go, go there, what was kind of going through your head? Like, what were you thinking and feeling and like, what made you not, you know, take it back. Right. So in, in the period between getting the opportunity and going up on the stage, like what was, what were you feeling? What were you thinking? Um, I was definitely very nervous. Again, I felt totally unqualified, which is why now I have this expression that I share with every client I work with. Even when you don't feel qualified, sometimes you've been called. Um, and you have to know that feeling inside when you're being called to something, pulled to something. I think that all of us have a gift that at some point in our lives becomes like a magnet and it's pulling us to it. But most times we'll just, we'll abandon it because we don't feel qualified. We'll abandon it because we think there are already so many people doing it that they don't need us or the world doesn't need us. And so all that head trash was going on in my mind. Um, like I said, I was sweating. I was nervous. And, and I was honestly, when I think about it now, it's like I was really initially thinking that I had to be perfect. This is not going to go well if I'm not perfect. 
but really it's in the imperfection and in the flaws that we show, willingly show, and our vulnerability that is our greatest success. So if I get on any stage and I'm perfect, then the people in the audience can never see themselves in me. They will never be able to relate to me. They'll never be able to, I won't be able to pull at their heartstrings because I'm too busy trying to be perfect. So those things were going through my mind at the time, like, oh my God, you know, I got to make sure every word is pronounced perfectly and the enunciation and the, you know, and I have to make sure I, all this stuff. And then it was just like, Cheryl, you're putting so much pressure on yourself. You're not going to enjoy this. So sometimes we're putting so much focus on the perfection that we miss the beautiful opportunity to enjoy that part of the journey. And that's when I just kind of release things. And I say, you know what? I surrender. I'm just going to get up here and just be me. I'm not going to try to pretend to be anybody else. I'm going to be the silly Cheryl. I'm going to be the animated Cheryl, the energetic, like, like I'm just going to be the real authentic me. And whatever comes out is what's meant to come out. Whatever happens is supposed to happen. And I just gave myself that permission to get on that stage and have a grand time doing something and talking about something that I was very passionate about, which was helping other moms and women to get the courage and the confidence to start their own businesses. I wasn't at that time by any means successful. I just was courageous and bold enough to start something that scared me to death. So if I could in any way impart that level of courage and confidence and boldness and tenacity on other women, then I'm already walking in power. So once I allowed that mindset, that shifting to happen in my mindset and that it didn't have to be perfect, that's when everything just started to flow. Yeah. And I'm just going to highlight what you said in terms of the fact that, you know, you didn't have like what some people might define as success, but to, to the person that reached out to you, the, the folks that called you, you know, you were successful based on like their standard of success in terms of just getting started alone is a success. Keeping, keeping going now, that's another success. So to them, you were successful and then like that's 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 a thing that kind of holds us back as individuals sometimes we forget what our own definition like that success is defined by each individual freedom is defined by each individual and there's no flat definition all these definitions are dynamic and so what freedom is successful side for you um it doesn't look like freedom and success to me and you know i could do something and then i you know you might be looking at it from the outside like wow your life is so perfect. You're so amazing. And on, on myself on the inside, I'm just like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not even halfway there. Like it's, it's a hot mess. And then it's like that it's a bit of imposter syndrome, but it's, you know, a a deeper level to it is just like respecting everyone's own level of success and freedom. And then saying, you know, what do you think you need? And like, and helping people to get what they need, even if you think they've already gotten it and so you know by them thinking that you were successful it helped you to become you know on your version and on your journey of what your success now looks like yeah, so I really and I, appreciate and I think, that and I'll piggyback off of that because I you know when I talk about success I mean realistically you everybody's like you said success is relative everybody's mm-hmm. version of it is different and at that time I would say if you want to relate it to success, it was the fact that I was bold enough to do something that a lot of people will never do. To embark upon something that a lot of people may never take the risk of because it is scary. So in that terms, yes. But in terms of having accomplished anything that would say, oh, she's an influencer or leader in the business world, it really didn't even make sense, which, which was okay. Because sometimes it doesn't make sense. 
sometimes like I feel like God is putting you in a position and it is just you being you and him showing you that that is enough. Like that you in, in your authentic greatness is enough to inspire, motivate, empower someone else. So then it wasn't, oh, my, my accolades, it wasn't awards, it wasn't money I had made in my business. It wasn't that level, but it was, oh, she's inspiring because she's mm. taking risks that, oh my God, I don't think I would ever take. It was that <laughs> level of success. So you're right. Success is very relative and everybody defines it for themselves. Yeah, thank you. And so now my next question is, you know, you got up there, kill it on stage. What came after that? Like now, you know, you have your t-shirt business. Now you have, you know, a speaking engagement under your belt. You still have your full-time job. What's kind of going through your head and what it, what essentially came after that in the next few months and years that, well, months, let's start with months. So yeah, so what came into my head immediately after that was, oh my God, I don't ever want to go back to my job. <laughs> I want to quit and do this forever. <laughs> that was the first thought, if I can be very honest. But that was an unrealistic thought because I had bills and responsibilities and three kids who like to eat three times a day, at least at a minimum. So, <laughs> so just like leaping, as people say, and just walking away, was that wasn't an option. Like that would have just been irresponsible. Um, irresponsible. But what I did was I started to come up with, in my mind, a game plan. Like, I know that this is what I want to do. And there's something in me that has never felt this way before. So I know that I owe it to myself to pursue it. So it was really in those next few months and into the beginning of the next year was really about being strategic and intentional in pursuing it, which meant a couple things. Number one, I had to start owning it and claiming it and speaking it, right? So if I don't believe I'm an international speaker, who's going to believe that? If, in fact, when I showed up at that event, that's like how I announced myself. When I went to the speaker desk, I'm like, Cheryl Wood, international speaker. They're like, what girl? You ain't been nowhere. You ain't spoke nowhere. You ain't been out of Baltimore. Cause I, I was born and raised in Baltimore and that was in Baltimore. But it was like, it was just this feeling of claiming it before it ever became what it is right now. Like really projecting what I wanted in my life. Because, you know, you and I both know mindset is everything. And the more we repeat something to ourselves, the more our subconscious mind believes it. So if you tell yourself good stuff, you're going to believe good stuff. If you tell yourself negative stuff, that's what you're going to believe. And then your actions are going to align with it. So I believe in telling myself really good stuff. So I started waking up different. I started saying different things. I, I would wake up and before I would even let my t feet touch the floor, thank God for life in my body and breath in my body. And then I'd say, all right, Cheryl, you are a magnet for success. You are a magnet for greatness. You are a magnet for the legacy that the world is waiting for. People are waiting for you to show up. You are going to be an international world, world renowned speaker. And then I'd get up and go to work. <laughs> I mean, that was the reality. So what I was speaking wasn't reflective of my reality, but what I was speaking was starting to, to seep so deeply into my subconscious mind that I would, I would be re-energized uh, with this, just like I said, this magnetic field, this magnetic force pulling me to it, that that would be the thing that would give me the energy to go to the networking event after I worked all day. So go to work all day, come home, get the kids, get them fed, freshen up, go out to the networking event, get back home, email everybody I met. Like it was that, it was that magnetic pull. Um, but that was because of what I was telling myself. So just aligning myself with what I wanted to see as the ultimate outcome. I knew from that moment, that's what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't know the how. I didn't know how I was going to become sure what an international speaker. I didn't know how, and I need to know how. 
I just know I needed to have some intentional steps to get there. Like I had to do my part. I had to put skin in the game. And so for me, that meant showing up at the networking events, clearly telling people that I, who I was, who I was claiming myself to be. I'm an international motivational speaker. I can speak at your event, signing up for every event that I could to speak for. I used to go to my kid's school. I would speak at their career day. Girl, I put that on my portfolio. Yep, spoke at. <laughs> you got three of them. That's a, that's three engagements three just engagements. that alone. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm building my portfolio, but also in that that entire next year, that next 12 months, I was building what I call experience and exposure. So you can't become an international global speaker and you don't have no experience. Experience not only just speaking, but also speaking in front of different audiences. What does it feel like to speak in front of a group of all women? What does it feel like to speak in front of a group of all men? What does it speak like feel like to speak in front of a group of youth? You know, they're they're a little bit harder to convince. Um, what is it? What is it like to speak in front of a group of people who are A types? What is it? What is it like to speak in front of a corporate group? So I just gave my, myself permission for that entire year to explore what speaking felt like, what it looked like. What, the, what different audiences felt like to me? What did I enjoy the most? Which audiences did I want to speak to the most? Which ones gave me the greatest feedback or return of investment when I put in, right? And all of those things were starting to be built. So it was just those initial steps of putting myself in the places where people could say, yes, we'll offer you an opportunity, being intentional about introducing myself consistently the same way so that there would be a buzz that was created about who I was, and then because people talk and, and, then, and then when I got an opportunity showing up and killing it, like crushing it, because I know they're going to run and tell their friends. And ultimately, one of those friends is going to come back and they're going to hire me. And I shouldn't even say hire. I should say book because at the time I wasn't making no money. Hire would mean I was getting a check. Book. Yeah, they book me. <laughs> Yeah. And then that's, that's just it. Like you said, you were mentioning like opportunities. And, um, I always say this thing about opportunity creates opportunity. And sometimes you just have to show up and like make it real because people, you know, we all believe the hype, right? <laughs> if it's not, well, you know, if it doesn't seem cool or like people are doing it and using it, like a lot of folks are bandwagoners and it's not in a bad way, but it's just like, you're not going to buy the makeup that no one's buying. Right. You know, there's going to be like a small percentage of people that buy it just because it's new. Right. That's, that's their thing. Like I like new things, but the majority of people buy it because everybody has that thing. So then it's like, you know, if you're, if people know, as soon as they hear Cheryl Wood international speaker, now it's like a thing that flows. Oh, have you heard of Cheryl Wood? Oh, international speaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had her speak to this person, this group. And then it just becomes a thing that they like, Oh, we need to have her. We need to have her now. Actually, we need to get her here, fly her here, pay her to do this. And just, you started, you started creating your opportunities and then opp more opportunities started to find you. And like you said, shifting your mindset was an, a key essential part of that. So I want to talk to now, um, well, uh, guys that are listening on the podcast, you might not see this, but, um, where Cheryl is, if you're watching the video it, behind her, there's a, um, poster that says think outside the box. So I wanted to ask in terms of like, what type of creative ways were you finding these speaking engagements and like, how were you initially pitching yourself and just making it work? Because again, you're using that time, right? And time is a form of currency. You have three kids, you have a husband, you have things to compensate for. So that you, and you have your full-time job. So how are you thinking outside the box and using like these um, free speaking engagements to kind of leverage that speaking career? Like how did you find them? And like, what did you do to 
makeup back that like yeah that's a great question I mean for me I understood the power of visibility and credibility and I know that visibility will lead to and increase your credibility and then that credibility will lead to and increase your profitability so I had to become visible in order to become credible and then eventually become profitable right so for me it was all about visibility like I need people to know who I am I need people to see me I need people to hear me so it, it was just this thing where I didn't turn anything down. I, I'm being very honest. I didn't turn anything down. If you look, I used to go to people's homes and I would speak to, they would have like a little book club and it would be five people in the room. And I would give my, I mean, I would give a speech like I was on stage giving it to 500 people. Like they was going, oh, you going to cry. We going, you going to laugh. You going to cry. Like I'm going to entertain you. I'm going to educate you. I'm going to inform you. I'm going to inspire you. I'm going to do all the parts of a present- great presentation. I don't care that there's only five people in the room. I don't care that there's three people in the room. But for some people, it, like I didn't despise small beginnings. And so many people despise starting at the bottom, starting in, in small beginnings, small rooms. No, those small rooms are going to lead to your audiences of 2,000, 3,000, 10,000, whatever the numbers are. So for me, when I say thinking outside the box, I didn't just feel like I had to be booked and on someone's stage in a conference room at a fancy hotel in front of 300 people. No, you, oh, you got three people uh, oh, and they're going to come and they're going to listen to me talk for 45 minutes. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> like that's me giving a speech. Um, and then I would do things, like I said, like career day for my kids' school. I would go, I'm still giving a speech and I'm giving it to a new audience. Um, there was even an opportunity I had for this group called, uh, I think it was called Moms Mentoring Moms, but it was for a group of women who had been incarcerated, who were coming back now into society. I spoke for that group. I was, I was like, oh, I'm about to get them fired up. They about to be ready for what's coming in their life next. So I didn't put any stipulations on what it had to look like. I was open. I was flexible. I was fluid. I was not rigid where it was like, well, it has to come packaged this way. No, I didn't put any, I didn't say, God, you got to package it this way from, no, I said, I just said, I want to use my God-given gift. I want to do the thing I was born to do. And whatever that looks like is I'm willing to show up and I'm willing to show up, not only show up, but show up as the best me, the best version of me. There were times when I first started speaking and, and sometimes I would, people would find me because someone told them about me, right? So they would refer me. And then sometimes I, I learned how to submit proposals online. So I would Google, do a Google search for events, looking for speakers. And I always knew they weren't going to pay me. That's okay. I used to pay my own flight. I, I would pay, go travel to Florida. I would go travel to Las Vegas. I didn't care. I just wanted to share my voice. I, I was so magnetized to this thing that I didn't discover until I was in my 30s. That I was like, whoa, this is what I've been missing my whole life. So I was just so excited to do it. And I remember there would be people who would book me and they would say, oh, we're going to have 150 people there and da, 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 da. And I was excited and I had prepared. And I, was a, and I get there and there are like 10 people there. Now there are 150 people, there are 150 seats set up, but there are 10 people there and five of those people are vendors. <laughs> and I would never let myself get discouraged by that. Because what I would say is the five people or the 10 people who are here deserve your best. They got dressed. They came here in expectation of something. Do not disappoint them. And that's what kept me on a high energy level versus, oh my God, he said it was going to be 150 people. It's only 10 people in here. I'm going back home. No, 
No, you're only as good as your last performance. And I don't know who those people in that room know. You never know. Exactly. And so those I would get people... up at the front of the room and girl, I would get that speech to them 10 people. <laughs> like all 150. I would act like the empty seats weren't even empty. And that's how I approached everything that I did. So I would always bring my best and any opportunity that I was offered, whether it was a book, book club group with four people, five people in a room or 10 people at a conference or whatever it was, I just, I didn't put stipulations on what the package had to look like. Yeah. And I love that. And I want to talk to two points that you made. I wrote them down and, you know, saying that a lot of people try to avoid small beginnings and like the only way to begin is small. Like if we think of even biology, right? A plant starts from a seed, chicken starts from an egg, a human start from the embryo, like the smallest of smallest beginnings. And then we become these magnificent creatures, right? Even the biggest giraffes and, and, and elephants, they have to start as these small little tiny things, molecules and atoms, things that we can't even physically see without a, you know, a microscope telescope and even with that we still can't see these things and respecting small beginnings allows us to then you know honor and respect when we have that big greatness because if you are so oh this is this is not good enough right this is this is beneath me um right if you have that 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 way of thinking about things then you're never going to truly tap into your full potential and tap into the opportunities and another thing that you wanted to say that I want that you said that I want to highlight is um the packaging, right? You said it didn't came, come in the package that um, w- that I might have wanted or this perfect pretty package, but it came. The opportunity came and it was there and you and it was now up to you to leverage the opportunity because in a room full of, you know, 10 people, five or vendors, you never know. All five of those vendors could then book you for their 152,000 people events and those five people that are listening could then become clients. So you just, you just never know because those people were meant to be there and whoever didn't show up was not meant to be there. I remember, um, similar semi worst story um, of when I was um, in, in the fall, I was doing the, the, my annual get shit done summit. And I usually, and I did a pre summit live in New York city. They, the, the weather was terrible that day. The weather was terrible. And I had a feeling like maybe I shouldn't go. And I was like, you know, people signed up. I think it was like 30, no, it was like 40, 50 people that registered. I was like, okay, I'm just going to show up because these people who, whoever shows up, I'm going to, you know, kill it. And we're going to make it happen. So I got there, ordered pizza, and one person showed up and it was like halfway through the, through the time. And I just said, you know, I had a Ted talk coming up. So I used the space to practice my Ted talk. Um, we did like a quick Facebook live with the person that did show up. And there a few other people that were just in the space came and listened to like my Ted talk practice. And then I used that Ted talk practice to send it to some colleagues to help me, you know, give suggestions of what I should do in this being engagement. But I just, amplify the time and, and you know one of the people that were there that was just in the audience that was you know he was co-working because it was a co-working facility he was just sitting down co-working right we made a beneficial connection and he's made introductions for me so just like thinking of the fact that like if I just said oh I'm gonna go home or oh am I gonna come I, you just never know and the only thing that you could do once you get there is do your best and then um, go home when it's done right if you don't try to do your best or you don't even show up then you don't know what opportunities you could be missing out on or you might never receive. So just showing up, accepting the packaging that it comes in and respecting the small beginning is the key and respecting that sometimes even if you're, you know, along the path, you know, two, three, four, five, six years in, you could still get an empty room. You could yeah, still get an absolutely. empty room of four people. <laughs> and, and also I always say this, I always say success strokes my ego, but failure teaches me how to get it right. 
Like, so that experience with the one person, maybe it taught you, okay, you know what? I'm never, I'm not going to host an event at this time of year again, because I always know I'm going to be fighting weather or I'm, I'm going to, the next time I'm going to do it this way, or I'm going to shift this, or I'm going to do like, you always learn something regardless of what the experience is, whether it was the experience that you expected or an experience that was unexpected, you are always going to learn something. And that's the beautiful thing. And that allows growth because if you always get the same thing and you always are successful at everything, again, we go back to that word perfection, like none of us are perfect. So I want to fail so that I can learn and I can grow and I can get better, keep getting better. Yeah. And then things get like flat, like, you know, um, one of the interviews that I had a couple days ago, um, one of the, the guests, she was saying like, the flat line, right? If you think of like in the medical industry, like the flat line means it's like dead. So when, you know, you want to have like a nice pulsing and like, boop, 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 you don't want to have the bottom part go too much down, right? Like you don't want to have it get too crazy, but like that nice fluctuation inside of the beat is what keeps you alive essentially. And that, you know, that's what keeps us alive. That's what keeps your business alive. And, you know, that's, that's the journey. That is the key to it all. So now I want to talk about one of what you might think of as like one of your bigger misadventures through this journey. Like what is something that kind of was really unexpected or just like really off the wall that you experienced as an entrepreneur that you want to share um, with the audience today? Um, I think for me, it was the whole scope of pricing Mm. (laughs) and really valuing (laughs) who I was and what I brought into any space. Um, enough to say I charge for this or this is my price, this is my fee. So for me, I'll never forget when I first started speaking, I was probably like two years in, I was still questioning, am I good enough? Because I got to give you just a little bit of background. So I grew up in an environment of poverty. I grew up in an inner city housing project in Baltimore, Maryland. So when you think about the projects, you know what that comes with. I mean, I saw the worst parts of life. Every day that I came out of my house, I saw you know people who were selling drugs, people who were addicted to drugs. I saw teenage pregnancy at the ages of 12 and 13, I saw people who could barely put food on the table for their kids, including my mother, who was a single mom of three, raising these three kids in this horrible environment. So I really did see the worst parts of life. And, and coming from that, your mindset isn't geared to say, oh, I'm going to be a winner. (laughs) I can be a giant in the world. Like you really got to wire, rewire your mindset to believe that, which is something I had consistently tried to work on. So anyway, but you know, your stuff will always show up it will keep showing up and you have to keep making sure that you press it down and say, nope, this is who I'm becoming. I have the right to be a giant in the world, right? Regardless of what I feel like I'm lacking, I have to focus on what I possess, what I have. So for me, I'll never forget, there was a speaking engagement. I had an opportunity to come speak to this big group and I would have to sell whatever my package, my program was. And I made the big mistake of assuming what was in their pocketbooks. Right. So I'm like, oh, this is a real estate group. And that's not really my target. And I didn't even really know who my target was then. Anybody with a wallet was really my target. But I made the decision for them of what they could afford and what they would be willing to invest in. But it really just came back to my own belief and mindset about what my value was. Because if you know what your value is, you're not worried about who can afford it or who can't. You know the people that want it are going to step up. And even if it's uncomfortable for them to step up and invest, they're going to invest. Because none of my investments in me have been comfortable. (laughs) None of them. And I've coached with the best of the best. Uh, I've coached with Lisa Nichols. I've coached with Les Brown. I've coached with a lot of folks. And it ain't never been a price tag that was comfortable. 
but it's how bad do you want it? So I, I didn't know that thinking then. So I get up to the stage, I make the decision for them. They're, they're giving me a standing ovation. Everybody's excited. I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I offer this little package for like 67 bucks, right? <laughs> Everybody's handing me their forms. I gave out the forms. They're, they're literally running to the front of the room to hand me the forms. I'm like, yeah, I think I closed, I don't know, maybe like 20, 20 sales. So I'm, I have my calculator here. So it was like 67 times. 20. Not enough money. That's what that is. $1,300. Okay. $1,300, which for me at the time as a speaker felt great because nobody had ever paid me at that point, $1,300 to come and speak on their stage for 30 minutes. So I was like, yes, that was a win. I'm celebrating. I'm excited. I'm like, yeah, that was, I killed it. And then I stay because I never just like speak and leave. And I get to hear the next speaker speak. And this is a gentleman. And his, his presentation is great. You know, it's, I don't take anything from his presentation. It was great. It was, you know, instead of his package being 67, his package was like 1600. He literally had as many people sign up for his $1,600 package as I had for my $67 package. And I remember sitting back in the chair and saying, you big dummy. <laughs> But no, seriously, I was just floored that I had dis- I had made the decision on what they would spend and what they valued and what was in their bank accounts. So he walked away with way more, thousands and thousands of dollars than I did because I made the decision for my audience. And that was such a pivotal turning point in my journey that I could never go into any room and look at someone or look at the group and think that I already know what they're willing to invest. Biggest, one of the biggest lessons of my, of my entire journey over the past 10 years. Never did that's that again. amazing. <laughs> what you live and you learn. You're like, oh my little third. That's not even one of his that's people. That one, that's- not even one of his packages, and they sign up equally for his package as they did for mine. So I had to really revisit my value because I believe your bank account is really reflective of what you believe you're worth. And so if I wasn't earning, you know, much more than that, if I wasn't earning the type of money that he was pulling in because he believed in his value, I had to really go back to my own belief system, my own mindset, and really walk myself through, Cheryl, you are not a product of your environment that you grew up in. You're not still the 13, 14 year old girl who grew up in poverty. You know, you look at what you've learned, what, look at what you've accomplished through life. And then a big part of it also for me was with my mindset was that I didn't go to college. So I was still, I was still telling myself I wasn't good enough because I didn't have enough letters behind my name. But education is not an automatic equivalent to you being intelligent. And I had to learn that, that education and intelligence, that, that don't, they don't, one don't have nothing to do with the other because there are some great educated people who are not very intelligent and who don't have common sense. But so I had to really stop focusing again on what I was lacking. Oh, I don't have a piece of paper. I don't have a degree. You know, I don't have these letters behind my name. Oh, no. What do you have? Girl, you got great communication skills, natural. You have a natural ability to reach people's heartstrings, to pull them in, to make them feel like they can do anything. I had to really rely on what was already given to me. And, and then I had to tap into the skills that were transferable to my business from the 15 years I had done in corporate America. And that was one of the things that I was discounting. Like 
15 years working for rainmakers and law firms, 15 years working for senior level C-suite executives where I'm sitting in the board meetings, I'm having to be the liaison between my, the person I support and the board of directors. Like, come on now, you don't just do that. Like that, that skill set that you build. And I had to really focus on everything that I brought to the table, not just, oh, but I've only been speaking for two years because I was discounting a lot of the other skills that I brought into that space. So that was just, it was such a huge lesson for me. Yeah. And I love that. And I want to like revisit and I wrote it down. So you see me like keep writing notes, you know, and I, and I talk to this point a lot, right. Being resourceful, right. What do I have not thinking about, Oh, what I need to have or what I should have had or what I could have. No, you can't really do anything in a, in a timely manner about any of that. If you're going to get a degree, that's going to take time. If you're going to take a course, that's still going to take time and it's going to take money. So what do I have right now? on my person, in my mind. So I usually have people do this exercise. What do I have? What do I know? And who do I know? That's already three things that you got. So you know X, Y, Z person that can give you introductions when you need or whatever, or support you or babysit, you know, the bus driver, all these, you know, who do I know? Then the next thing is now, you know, what do I know? What knowledge do you have? Maybe you don't have a college degree, but again, you've been in these board meetings that some people that with all the degrees, master's degrees, PhD, doctorates have never even came close to sitting in any of those rooms. So you have, that's what you know, you know, all that stuff, you know how to operate with people, you know how to communicate. And what do I have physically? I have time. I have love. I have support. I have, you know, print a paper, right? What do I have to make it happen and respecting what you have and literally just now shuffling once you get out of your brain, what I have, what I know, who I know, and then shuffling the resources around and putting together like this, you know, messy casserole. But it's like, wow, this tastes good. This is, this is it. This is, this slaps way better than, you know, the fancy, you know, uh, uh, ingredients and all those expensive things. Like this is, this is it. This is mine. This is what I know. This is what I have. And, and, you know, thank you for, for sharing that and like encouraging people to just remember to use what you have. We're coming to the end of our interview now. And so the question I uh, usually ask is, you know, what kind, what piece of information or a task or a tangible thing that you would like to leave the audience with as some action steps after this episode, you know, in the unfortunate event that they got nothing out of this episode and if they <laughs> did, did not, you know, something wrong with them because <laughs> I got a lot out of it. And, but what is like the key thing you want people to remember and take away from this episode? Oh man, so much. Um, I, I would just say get started with right where you are with what you already have. Um, there's so many clients I work with who they don't get started because they come up with all of these excuses. And I always say, while you're creating excuses, somebody else is executing and getting results. So it's like, you got to just get in the game. Like it's, it's no more time to be a spectator. It's no more time as Mary Kay acid, you know, to hope and, and wish you sitting on the sidelines watching and wishing. No, you got to get in the game so that you can experience the results. And the people that I find are most successful are the people who are willing to take the big risks, even when it's scary, do the stuff that's unfamiliar, do what's uncomfortable. If it doesn't scare you, it can't possibly grow you. There's just no way. So it should scare you. Like you should have them butterflies in your stomach. You should be a little bit nervous. You should have a little sweat dripping off your forehead. Your palms should be sweating because you're going to introduce yourself to a life you've never experienced once you make the decision to get started. And you do not have to know perfectly the blueprint and the exact how. But when you get started, it says to the world, it says to the universe, it says to God, it says to the people who are watching, you know what? 
I expect something great to happen in my life and I'm willing to place all bets on me. So when you're willing to do that, as you mentioned earlier, opportunities will come, new relationships will come, things that you didn't expect. You'll discover new things about yourself that you didn't even know that you were capable of. Um, And so just give yourself that permission by just getting started. The rest, I promise, will work itself out. No, it's not a magic formula. It's not a magic potion that you're going to sprinkle some fairy dust and it's going to happen overnight. (laughs) But if you stick with it and you're like that, you ever seen a chihuahua barking, barking, barking until somebody pay attention? That's how everybody in my tribe, I'm like, no, we the chihuahuas. Oh, you going to turn around and listen at some point. You might not initially pay attention to that bark. But if you keep barking, some body's going to turn around and say, what is it that I need to get you? What can I do for you? How can I help you? So just keep showing up and keep barking until the world knows your name. Love that. Thank you so much, Cheryl Wood, for dropping these gems and sharing this time with me on doing the most misadventures of entrepreneurship. Guys, you can find her information in the comments in the show notes section of this interview and, you know, follow up with her have Cheryl come in and speak. You know, she killed it here. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I moved. (laughs) And so, you know, thank you so, so much again. And we'll catch you on another episode of doing the most, the misadventures of entrepreneurship. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of doing the most catch us here next week. Same time, same place. If you can't wait, head on over to doing the most.xyz to stay connected until next time. Keep on doing.